0: like the toilet whisperer the human toilet the master of toilets master master
1: hello marvelites you're listening to marvel's pull list for new comics on sale march 4th 2020 I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Tucker, we are in March. Yeah. The madness is upon us. Ah, uh, yes. My favorite thing, and this is not a, an official Marvel thing, but yeah. there's a Twitter account out there and a website and a celebration that's been going on for like six or seven years. One of our fans does March MODOK Madness. Nice. Where they just share MODOK art from across the world <laughs> and... I can't think of a better time to be a M.O.D.O.K. fan than this year. It's very
0: exciting. Oh, yeah. That's great. For all the praise and for the show coming and all that stuff, still criminally underrated. Yeah. Soon, babies are going to be walking around with, you know, little M.O.D.O.K. dolls, I'm sure. I thought you were going to say the parents are going to start naming their, like, babies M.O.D.O.K. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, so- there are going to be young M.O.D.O.K.s out there.
1: Here's a secret. I've always wanted to name a kid George I, yeah. because my grandfather was named George. It's a good name. But also, Modoc's real name is yeah. George Tarleton. <laughs> so I can sneak in. Uh, yes, I named my child after Modok yeah. if I want to.
0: It's, it's somehow like the most normal name and also the most eccentric, weird origin. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and so if we have a, if we have a boy named George, my wife the other night was like, so if we have a girl, should we name her Georgia or Georgina? And I was like... <laughs> I love you more and more every day. So that's Wedded Bliss. Hopefully oh, uh, you have some sort of uh, <laughs> wonderful memories like that in your future. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No, 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 no. We are here to talk about all the new Marvel comics on sale this week. The print issues, the digital shenanigans, stuff that is hitting collections and Marvel Unlimited. And
0: uh, we've got a good slate of books. Tucker, why don't you kick us off? We are diving headfirst back into the 2020 event that we have a bunch of books lined up for, starting with 2020 Rescue Number One. It's written by Dana Schwartz with art by Jason Burroughs and Scott Hanna, colors by Pete Pantazis, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. You know, what's really interesting about the 2020 event is that there's this kind of void left by Tony Stark. If you need a quick catch-up on everything that went down in Tony Stark Iron Man. Go check out an article that we just put on Marvel.com. Five minutes, boom, you're caught up. You're ready to go into 2020. But here it's really awesome because we have Pepper pots at the heart of this story right here. A theme that kind of popped up for me this week across a bunch of books was like the multiple responsibilities, the kind of like multiple facets of a superhero's life that they need to... Handle all at once. And that is something that I think is definitely at the heart of a Pepper Potts story like this, where she has all of her responsibilities at Stark Industries, but also, you know, is in this situation kind of forced to step into the rescue armor. Look, it's great to see Pepper in this role. It's great to see Pepper in the armor again. It's something that I'm a huge fan of. And uh, I was delighted to see this suit in action.
1: Yeah. If you like seeing Pepper Potts as Rescue in Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame. You're know, like, I wish that was in a comic. This is a comic with that. <laughs> and she's awesome. It's yeah. really cool. Another really cool story is Black Cat number 10. This is the second part of Sleight of Hand, written by Jed McKay, art by Chris Enka, colors by Brian Reburn, lettered by Farron Delgado. This was nearly one of my picks. We've loved the Black Cat series for its entire run. And then these last two issues have been... Everything we've loved about Black Cat. And then on top of that, you add Chris Anka doing his best cool, like, spy, sexy, cat and mouse type stuff with Black Cat and Wolverine running around, getting into hijinks. And it is hilarious. It is fun. Like, this is the idealized Mr. and Mrs. Smith type you know right. story in my head I've not seen that movie I know the poster cuz I used to work at blockbuster and so <laughs> like I just know it's like sexy Brad Pitt sexy Angelina Jolie next to each other right. boom but this is black cat and Wolverine with an eye patch on, just getting into mayhem and trouble. This book is fun in the best way possible. If you've not read Black Hat issues 9 and 10 should 1,000% be books you read. It will immediately turn you into a convert.
0: Yeah, there was a vibe with this book that I felt, as I kind of hit maybe page 3 or 4 of this issue, which is at such a fast pace in the best way, I was like, oh my god, this is like... 80s action movie vibes with these characters so much fun you're so right all right next up i have black panther and the agents of wakanda number seven it's written by jim zub with pencils by Lan medina inks by craig young colors by marcio meniz and letters and production by vcs joe sabino if you love Ken Hale, a.k.a. the Gorilla Man, this is your jam. We start this issue with him, and I just love the way that Jim characterizes him. I love his control of who this character is, a character that, you know, you could easily, you know, lose a handle of. For all the absurdities across the Marvel Universe in the best way, you know, he is right up there with him. And we, he's like 80 years old. Exactly. He's like, he's
1: old, he's been through so much. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really good. And also, at the back of my mind is all the stuff that Jason Aaron has been setting up yes with gorilla man that was in the pages of avengers during war of the realms yeah every time i see him i'm like (laughs) when is the other issue going to drop because
0: there's something big that you know jason's got on the burner so there's so much good stuff with him then this issue takes a wild turn i did not expect fantasy monsters dragons things like that that's all i'll say but great stuff. Uh,
1: Speaking of some fantasy stuff, we've got Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown issue number two. This one is written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Luke Ross, colors by Nolan Woodard, and VC's Travis Lanham on the letters. This one also features Black Cat. I gotta give major shout out to Luke Ross. The way he draws Black Cat, it's like old school Black Cat costume with the fur, is so meticulous with the way he draws the fur around her arms and her legs. I just love it, it's so cool also you have her flirting with Conan and flirting with Conan's partner in this. I'm like all about that. (laughs) They're in Las Vegas. It's wild. It's wacky. It also includes Scarlet Spider. So uh, I love that like connection to what the Marvel universe is.
0: Completely love it. But from Las Vegas now. We go back to new york city specifically hell's kitchen for my first pick of the week it is daredevil number 19 written by chip RC with art by marco coquetto marco's back colors by mattia yacono and letters by vcs clayton cowles this is the start of a new story arc this is inferno part one it's kind of hard to believe that we're already at 19 issues
1: I, it's wild
0: yeah The level of drama and action that we hit here is, for me, surpasses anything that we've seen in the series so far. And that is a high, high compliment because we have these swirling relationships that have evolved so beautifully. And and we have Matt Murdock at the center of essentially a siege upon hell's kitchen by a bunch of different characters, including Bullseye. With a a new look, too. Yeah. Like like his mask just disturbs me yeah. something about it i'm just like i don't
1: i don't want to see your face we also have stilt man but a
0: badass
1: couple pages of stilt man and you're so like
0: awesome. yeah he's terrifying
1: it's yeah. awesome
0: i love that chip is just saying boom stilt man is a scary supervillain. come along for the ride
1: yeah it reminds me of mark wade and um it might have been javier rodriguez or somebody a couple years ago doing paulo rivera maybe i mm. doing a spot story where you know spot is this dude who makes like little portals and you know he goes through but they made him so freaky and terrifying and he's like <laughs> twisted up and messed up like a good creative team can take any yep. weird silly character
0: and turn them up in all the right ways i completely completely agree couldn't be a bigger fan yeah love it
1: hell yeah. Another great narrative going on is in the pages of Dr. Doom, and we got issue number six this week, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Most of this issue is a road trip with Dr. Doom and Kang, mm-hmm. the time-traveling conqueror, going across the great American planes. They are not flying. They're not taking any like major travel because they're trying to lay really low, even though the two of them are fully decked out yeah, in their costumes. Yeah. Like, they are <laughs> living it up to the point where they get stopped by two, like, good old boys uh, driving a, a pickup truck. And the guy's like, hold on. What do we got here? Ain't never seen more color looking chuckle ducks in all my life. What's your name, fancy Cleopatra? How about you, Steely Dan? He calls Dr. Doom Steely Dan. I so good. died. I loved this. And the part of their conversation is trying to figure out how they're connected, which is this weird knot in the Marvel universe. It's like, do they have blood relation? And at mm. one point, Kang's like, I am not your father. And Doom's like, I know you're not. Perhaps I'm yours. And then Kang's like, preposterous. Just like <laughs> they don't know and it's weird and it's funny. At one point, they just like they're throwing insults at each other and they just start cracking up I love it and then how it wraps up for the two of them it's like got me on my the edge of my seat which I love also doom acquires something in here and I was like oh oh that just got real yeah that, oh
0: oh boy that that uh, Christopher Cantwell guy can write comics this
1: series rules yeah, so
0: much yeah. so so impressive okay from dr doom now to another doc with my Second pick of the week, it's Doctor Strange. Number four, Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, to be clear. It's told by Mark Waid and Kev Walker with colors by Java Tartaglia and Antonio Fabella. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. In this issue, we have this mystical journey with uh, a bunch of like monsters, dragony craziness. And then he has his duties as a doctor just in the hospital. And they clash in a really interesting way. If you ask me, that's the fun of the Marvel Universe at large. It's the two lives in one person. And it's all the struggles that they come up against as a result. I don't know if I would love it as much as I do if it was anyone else in the world but Kev Walker. And that's not a knock on any other artist. I love a bunch of different artists. I love Marco Cato, like we were just talking about Daredevil. But Kev is just so perfect for this character, for this story. Not only does he have the amazing command and technical ability to pull off some of these huge splash pages, these huge monsters and weird designs and things like that, which is at the heart of this story. But he just has the character work. He has the acting ability. He has... An amazing kinship between Doctor Strange, between what this book wants to be, between the tone of this book, and between the way that Kev Walker draws people.
1: It's brilliant. It's, and it's so subtle and yeah. so simple yeah. that you don't necessarily see it if you're not looking for it. But if it wasn't there, you it just wouldn't be the same. Completely. All right. Let's move to Krakoa and Excalibur number eight. This is verse eight. The unspeakable and the uneatable Yes, that's right. The Uneatable <laughs> Part 2. Uh, written by Teeny Howard. Pencils in this issue by Wilton Santos and Marcos Toe. Inks by Sean Parsons, Marcos Toe, Roberto Poggi, and Victor Nava. Colors by Eric Arciniega, And letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Tucker, were you familiar with the war wolves before this? I don't think so. They were old Excalibur characters. But the way that they're drawn in here is like a little bit more slender and human-like. Yeah, I was going to ask. They... I have that human quality and they always talked, but there's just something about the way they sit up in here like turns my stomach. And I, I love that. It's just so weird looking. Yeah. But there's a hunt of werewolves for a big magic ritual, and they're alongside Cullen Bloodstone and it's just like magic and, and weird shenanigans and cool monster stuff. But there's a thing that happens with the werewolves where I was like, oh now I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> they're hunting intelligent creatures these are creatures that right. speak and like function i don't know there's a like a lot of things <laughs> going on in my head i've also been playing a lot of the witcher 3 and part of the witcher's code in the game is mm-hmm. like he hunts monsters but not intelligent Monsters, like a communicative troll just like sort of like living its life. He's yeah. like, I'm not going to kill that thing just because you don't like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The end. This one goes out to you, communicative trolls out there. When I talk about Iron Man 2020, number three. We uh, see them on
1: the, on the YouTube <laughs> comments. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Got them. Iron Man 2020 number 3 is written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage with art by Pete Woods and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Just like Daredevil for me, this issue is one that I think is a big turning point in the story of Iron Man 2020. I love all the work that's been put into creating the status quo of artificial intelligence at large, mining the differences between humanity and artificial intelligence if you need a little more background info on 2020, we have that aforementioned article about everything that went on in Tony Stark, uh, Iron Man. But then we also have another article on Marvel.com. Go check it out. That gives a broader history for what 2020 has meant in Marvel history, where Arno has popped up and what the 2020 Iron Man has meant. So uh, go check it out and dive in.
1: Yeah. And if you're like, what is that costume all about? Why does he have those giant mm-hmm. like gears? Do they do anything? You find out in this issue. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Magnificent Ms. Marvel number 13 is our next title and is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Joey Vasquez, inks by Juan Velasco, colors by Ian Herring. Joey Vasquez, this is like the issue where you go, oh, he should be doing teen superheroes all the time. He's got the, the tone, the sense of like adventure and excitement and youth and exuberism. There's this one panel I'm looking at where Kamala, she's at a fair. She had like a New Jersey state fair with her friends and they're just doing bumper cars and it's just joy and happiness. And she talks about feeling like she's seven years old and like there's that that sense that comes across in the art. I thought I think it's done so perfectly well. I also love the way that Joey creates weapons for her, like spiked mace yeah. hands and yeah. all that stuff, and the way he stretches her. Uh, but this is also really important, because it introduces a new Marvel hero. His name is Amulet, a.k.a. Fadi Fadlala. And he's uh, going to be a new supporting character. We're going to see him more in the pages of Magnificent Ms. Marvel. He was created by Saladin and illustrator Sarah Alfagi. And uh, I just love his costume. It's cool he is like maybe four pages, five Mm -hmm. pages or so Mm -hmm. interacting with Kamala. And I was like, Oh, I love this kid. I'd like absolutely love this kid. I want to see him and Kamala together, like fighting bad guys and just being best friends.
0: Totally. Now from New Jersey to the high seas in Marauders number nine, it's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lali colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs, Joe Caramagna. We've, spoken in the past about the artists that Jerry loves to work with. And I think Matteo Lali is absolutely on that list because they worked a bunch together on Deadpool. I remember interviewing Jerry a, a few times and him just speaking so effusively about working with Matteo and Matteo's art. So it's really cool to have them working together on this issue. Pyro comes to Krakoa and I well, I can't talk about it. It well, is.
1: It, I mean, it's been set up in the last couple of issues that yeah. his body has been kind of hijacked by Yellow Jacket, right. who is just micro sized and living in his his body and watching what he does, very much like Innerspace. Space, if you know the <laughs> wonderful 1980s film Innerspace, Space. That's kind of some of the fun that, right. that Jerry and company are having here.
0: Yeah, it is so cool to see just that character be this trojan horse of so much as everyone comes to grip with him arriving and then things happening after that and it's just this grenade that explodes everywhere
1: all right from marauders to marvel yes the book is just called marvel it's the first issue and this is kind of a new series put together by alex ross uh something that he's been thinking of for like 30 years of wanting to do And now, because of his amazing success, he has this vision to do an anthology of stories by unique, exceptional talents, a bunch of them who have not done anything for Marvel before. Uh, And so we have three stories in here. The first one, which is going to run across the entire series that is Marvel, is by Alex Ross and Steve Darnell. So you have brand new pages painted by Alex Ross, and they feature Nightmare, one of the coolest looking. awesome. Obviously, Alex has gotten even better over the last 25 years. The hues and the style, it's really creepy, really weird. It's a nightmare story. And that feeds into the other stories in this issue. The next one is Spider-Man Make My Day by Frank Espinosa. Dialogue by Sajan Saini. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I've known Frank Espinosa's work a little bit. He's done a bunch of painted stuff. I don't think he's done any work for Marvel before. It's a very different type of painterly style than Alex's, more like esoteric and abstract in some ways. It's it's beautiful stuff. I have a bunch of his uh, non-Marvel work at home, uh, so it's really cool to see him in here. And then you have The Boy and the Brute, written by Kurt Busiek, colors by Stephen Legge, but it's drawn and lettered by Steve the Dude Rude. (laughs) And I think for many Marvel fans, this might be their first, I would hope not, but it might be their first introduction to Steve Rude, Mm -hmm. who does... Classic feeling superhero work, but it is bouncy and it's exciting. It evokes Jack Kirby in a lot of ways, Steve Ditko in a lot of ways, but it has its own modern flair and feel. Big Steve Rude fan. And he's been around for 30 years. He's done little to no Marvel work. You could just see Alex being like, we got to get Steve Root. Yeah. First issue. Mm-hmm. You got to have a Steve Rude story in here. Sample some, some Steve Rude work because
0: you're not going to be sorry. Okay, next up we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 16. It's written by Saladin Ahmed with pencils by Corey Smith, Inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. We in this issue get to experience Miles, the big brother. Miles is looking after Billy, his baby sister. Saladin has this amazing ability to be so malleable in the way that he writes, and he can write these huge personal teen stories that you just feel like you know these characters so well. So we have that side of things with Miles. That all takes place during the day. And then we have the back half of the issue all takes place at nighttime. And I really like that dichotomy, that that split, because as we go into uh, the darkness, as we go into the night, we focus in on everything happening with Uncle Aaron, with the Prowler, and it is... Dramatic stuff. Yeah. Let's
1: move on to Robert E. Howard's Dark Agnes, number two, written by Becky Clunan, with art by Luca Pizzari and Andrea Brocardo, with J. David Ramos on colors and VC's Travis Lanham on letters. This book rules. It's set in the 16th century and it yet still feels modern mm-hmm. and like moves very quickly. Agnes is. A nightmare for everybody around her. She's like a pain in the ass. She's super funny. She doesn't give a crap about anyone, but she has very specific morals and a driving force behind her, which 16th century France, people are like, oh no. Is it a good 16th century <laughs>
0: French oui. accent? Way. Oui. Thank you. Uh, Okay. This issue of Savage Avengers, I was reading, I was like, hold the hell on. Stephen Strange is a hunk right? What the hell? Yeah. This Barrel is, chested. Yeah. He's just like <laughs> just sweating. Uh, Oiled that up. sweet mustache? Oh, oh yeah. my God. Okay. Look, why do you think I have this mustache? <laughs> this is written by Jerry Duggan. Hey Jerry. Uh, with art by Butch Geis. Colors yes. by Alex Grimares and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, I was reading this issue. I was like um, I was like almost like offended at how good this art is I was like taken aback in my seat I really couldn't handle it it's less abstract in its interpretation and butch's art style uh, which we've seen recently in the pages of invaders but it also is able to explode into these amazing pages of mystical combat and explosions and these unreality that is at the heart of this story at the very same time. I
1: think a lot of it is the coloring. The coloring is so
0: just beaut- like pops every single panel. I completely agree. It is... You know, the way that it's these kind of faded hues, these more pastel hues at times. I love taking what might be a a real place with real characters and, you know, not on some mystical plane and casting them in this amazing light and seeing in that way. It just adds so much to it. Honestly, this is one of those books where the art is worth the price of admission alone. It is a masterclass.
1: Uh, All right. Spider-Man Noir, which is my first pick of the week. It's written by Margie Stoll, with art by Juan Ferreira, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, this book is so good. You've been listening to the show for a while. You know Tucker and I will stand, right? That's what the kids say? I'm sure they still say it. We stand for Juan Ferreira's art. Just, I will go to, like, task for this. I will defend the just brilliance of his art all the time. It sings here. He is kind of born to do a noir story. This is set in an alternate universe where it is 1930s, 40s. Yeah. It's sort of like time is moving around a little bit, and we've got Spider-Man who's got two pistols. He, you know, shoots his webs. He wears his his hat, and he's just two fists, a couple of guns, and he's down to just destroy people. Yeah. He still has his code, still has his ethics. He's still Peter Parker, but he's hard boiled for the time. It is a Noir story, you feel like you're watching a 1930s, 1940s movie with gangsters and mystery and femme fatales and, you know. Trench coats. Trent, oh, great (laughs) trench coats. Juan's just going to go wild over the next couple of issues. And Margie, born to write this, I, I think of her as like writing video games or, you know, writing Captain Marvel or other stuff. I was like, "Why has she not been writing 1930s, you know, dialogue and action and adventure and noir stories the entire time?" I want more of this. It is friggin' fantastic.
0: So excellent. I love it so much. Uh, of course, we know Spider-Man Noir as a crucial member of the. Uh Infinite Spider-Verse, uh, and we get to explore that even further with Spider-Verse number six. This is written by Christos Gage with art by Zay Carlos, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. We have almost every single spider character you can think of on this kind of galactic throwdown in this issue, which is so well done, so beautifully rendered, and I think, you know, it, it calls upon a lot of different skills for the art team here to be able to pull everything off at the same time. But what I loved most about this was it felt like a kind of combination of, yes, the Spider-Verse stuff that we know and love so much, but it also had this spirit of like Secret Wars to me, which is really cool because we are like out on this planet. There's a bunch of crazy action going down, defined sides with a bunch at stake. And, you know, those are two of the, the greatest events in, in Marvel history. So to, to add those flavors and put them all together and have just as many different flipping characters as you could possibly have, you're only going to have great stuff.
1: Yeah, this issue also has one of my favorite pages in comics this year, I'm sure. Oh yeah. It is when (laughs) they get bombarded by villains from the Japanese Spider-Man TV show. And then Portal opens up, friggin' Leopardon comes down, (laughs) full, like half the page, vertical. Go Leopardon, the god of demons, the emperor of death, the emissary of hell! So good, it rules so hard. What a world we live in I know where I can have this (laughs) on a weekly basis. I can get a little bit of Japanese Spider-Man. We're living in a a very special
0: age. Yeah, that's good stuff.
1: We are also living in a very special age because my second pick of the week is here, and it is Strange Academy number one. First issue of hopefully many more. It is written by Scotty Young with art by Humberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So Strange Academy is a new school, a magic-based school in the Marvel Universe. And it is created because a couple years ago in the pages of Doctor Strange, magic was essentially destroyed and built back up again. And it was a a whole big storyline, Jason Aaron, Chris Bishalo, many others. And so spinning out of that, we got Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme series. We got a couple of other things. And this rebirth of magic has caused the magic characters in the marvel universe to say we need to think more proactively we need to teach the future you know magic wielders how to best hone their powers and what i love it's not a simple thing it's not like oh you're all magic y'all do the same thing no it's as we see in this they're going to come from different places you have people coming from other world from asgard from jotunheim from new orleans from all over You see them all, and they all have different ways uh, of practicing magic, of expressing it, and it's just such a fun – Idea. It reminds me in some ways of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Harry Potter meets the X Men, like all these different things. And you also set it in New Orleans, which is really cool because we haven't done a ton of comics. Of course, Dr. Voodoo has had numerous stories set in New Orleans. There's been others, but to actually have the home base for this book be in New Orleans, it's really cool. And my wife is from Louisiana. She went to school in New Orleans. She's from, she grew up in Baton Rouge, but she knows New Orleans so, so well. I showed her one panel, and I've been there so many times with her. It was like, this panel, and it's two characters walking down the street, and it's a very small panel, but I looked at it and I said, that looks exactly like many of the side streets in New Orleans. Like, it's a simple little thing, but I thought that was such a beautiful touch for them to evoke the sense of New Orleans, not just Bourbon Street, and they get, of course, they get Bourbon Street right, but... The the city has such a vibe to it.
0: And Nick Lowe and Scotty Young and the editorial team. And
1: I think Umberto as well. Um,
0: Umberto, they met up for a long weekend yeah. in New Orleans to do research, yep. which is so cool. Yeah. I love that they're so committed to you know, they portraying it they authentically. I love we that. We have to be, yeah. which
1: I think is so important, speaks so highly of this team. Uh, we are introduced to a new number of characters here, these students to the first class of Strange Academy, Emily Bright and Doyle Dormammu and the Asgardian, like, jerk twins, the man bun. There's a whole bunch of characters. I think everybody's going to have their favorite and it's going to change throughout the series. I know some of the things that are coming and I'm like, Oh, why is this only a, a monthly book? Mm-hmm. It's it's so good. Doctor Voodoo is like the headmaster of the school. Come on, I love that. <laughs> Doctor Strange shows up, but he's just like, all right, kids, who wants to get crazy? And they're like, they're like, yeah. And you got this wild fight scene. It is a blast. I think it's a one of my favorite new. I hate saying it, but new property launches right, right. Um, that we've done you know in a while, and I think this is. This is going to be big. Uh, I think everybody should check it out. It's, it's worth like jumping in on the ground floor to see what it's like, to see what's in store. And if you are a fan or you want to learn more, we're going to have Scotty Young on This Week of Marvel this week talking about the first issue and the book and the creation, all that stuff. So yeah, get ready for it. Nice.
0: Okay, wrapping it up this week for me is Strike Force Number Seven. It's written by Teeny Howard with art by Herman Peralta, colors by Guru EFX and letters and designed by VC's Joe Sabino. This is more of that marvelously monstrous action that I loved to dig into this week. This Strike Force team is truly unlike any other. But a huge highlight of this issue for me is again seeing Teeny Howard take the reins of Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool is one of those characters, an amazing kind of canvas for uh, different writers to jump on board and have their go with. I love Teeny's control with the character. I think that is a very impressive skill to know when to give and know when to take. Uh, a a great addition to this squad, which is a pretty specific uh, combination of characters in all of their kind of uniqueness and diversity. Uh, But to add Deadpool on top of all that just is the cherry on top.
1: Yeah. All right. Last new issue for the week is Sword Master number nine, written by Shu Zhu, art by Gunji and adapted by Amy Chu. I love the art in here. It is this like fast paced Very like quirky, silly anime vibe with characters grinning and laughing, and you know, like you may see them looking in two different places in the same uh, panel. It's like they're moving so fast Mm -hmm. and reacting to so many things. As we see Swordmaster, who's just he's just a dink, but (laughs) kind of kind of grows on you.
0: Yeah. Uh, All right, that's what we have for individual issues on sale this week. And now for print collections, we got three of them for you. We have. Black Widow by Wade and Somney, the complete collection. We have Marvel Comics 1000 collection, and we have The Web of Black Widow. Yeah.
1: And on Marvel Unlimited, some great stuff this week. Uh, Absolute Carnage number two. Of course, you got to check that out. House of X number three. Marvel Comics number 1000. All 96 pages of this bad boy is now in Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Monsters number one, which is terrific and really fun oh Oh, yeah highly yeah right yeah that book was great check that out there's a power pack issue that we did for the 80th anniversary really good uh, a couple of Star Wars Age of Resistance titles and many more. And then on the old school stuff added to Marvel Unlimited, we have issues 69 through 74 of Wolverine, which is pretty cool. I can't believe we were missing those. And a bunch of other 1993 era Wolverine original graphic novel one shot releases Global Jeopardy, Inner Fury, and Killing. So I love that we're just digging into the vault and finding some stuff that we should have had up already. Oh, yeah. Tisk, tisk us. <laughs> This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Penagos, Tucker, Marcos, Jorge Estrada, and Mr. Daniel. And special thanks to Zachary Goldberg for being here. He's <laughs> really quiet, you guys. Uh, our audio development manager is Lauren Wiener, and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, look, Brad. He's not on here at all. Ah, uh,
0: sorry. Get out, Brad. Yeah, we've had enough. I'm Ryan. I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.